everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Machine Learning. I'm your host, Charles Max Wood, and this week I'm talking to Jean-Georges Perrin. I hope I got that somewhat close. I don't speak a lot of French, just a little bit of French. But anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking about Spark. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let us know who you are, why you're famous, all that stuff. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, Charles. I'm... Um... I don't think I'm famous. I'm, I've just happened to have written a book about Spark. And, but um, yeah, that doesn't make me famous, does it? You're anyway. on a podcast now. You're famous. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's that's making my day now. Yeah. I've got to ask everybody to call me sir when I leave the room. That's, that's, yeah. Uh... Are you making more than $100,000 per year and just realized that you topped out the pay scale at your current company? And you still want to make more money working on interesting projects for companies that'll pay you more? or maybe there's just some freedom level that that money will give you. Well, let me help. I'm starting a program to help developers move up in their careers using proven techniques and by starting a podcast in order to advance. Right now, I'm only scheduling calls to see where you're at, where you wanna go, and how you can get there. There's no sales pitch. You can schedule the call at devchat.tv slash next level. So yeah, as my accent is is a bit of a treason for me, I'm French, but I lo- now live in the U.S. in North Carolina, where where life is not unpleasant. Maybe if it's a little bit cold today <laughs> for us, which is probably you know for most people it's not cold. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it just depends on where you grew up and where you live, how how used to it you are. Yeah, Southerners say that you get your, your blood that 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 is getting thinner. So that's a thing. So yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, we brought you on to talk about Spark because you're the author of Spark in Action for Manny. And I have to admit, I've talked to a few people about Spark. I have a really, really vague idea what it does because I haven't done it in a while. I haven't talked to anybody about it in a while. And this is a machine learning show, so I'm, I'm hoping that you can kind of tie the two together as far as what Spark does and how it can play into what we do with machine learning. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I like to define Spark, and I'm, I'm borrowing the, the, the definition from a friend of mine, Rob Thomas from IBM. I, I like to, to use this definition of Spark as an analytics operating system where, and one of the common definition you, you will hear is also a framework, okay, for, right. for data processing. Why I extend that to, a, to an operating system is it's because when you're building applications, and whether it's applications that leverage models or just data processing, they need an environment to run on, okay? And, right. and as your you know, as Zoom right now is using my Mac as the operating system for, you know, leveraging communication and the interface to my microphone Mm -hmm. and all this thing, it's exactly the same thing with Spark. It's creating this abstraction layer on top of the hardware, especially on distributed systems and provides functions such as analytical functions that you can leverage in data processing and which includes machine learning. So, gotcha. so, so that's how I, I like to see that, to see Spark, you know, and as it's along the way of what we've seen in the last 20 years, where to scale processing, you're not scaling a single machine like we used uh-huh. to do, but we're, we're focusing on clusters, we're focusing on distributed, distributed 
processing. And, and that's where Spark is giving us a great advantage on whatever we want to do is, is it's abstracting us from dealing with, hey, I've got this node which is gone kaput, okay? And I've got to uh-huh. replace the hard drive. It's not, it's not the business of your application, and especially when you're talking to data scientists who barely knows what a disk drive is. Uh, <laughs> True. Um, so, so you've got to provide them the tools and the environment for them to, you know, to develop and, and, and exploit their creativity. And that, for me, that's what Spark is. I gotcha. So kind of taking this to the next level then, as far as machine learning goes, I can imagine then that, you know, we do a lot of, or we rely on a lot of data scientists to do the data cleanup, the data management, the making it so that it it will go neatly into our algorithms so that we can get the, we can train the machine or we can, you know, get the result out that we want or things like that. And so Spark's kind of the precursor to what we're doing or does it have a machine learning engine in it? So, so it does. Okay. So that's part of, you know, I was kind of describing Spark as distributed uh, computing layer, uh-huh. but as part of the libraries and the tool, the tool set that it's bringing, the framework that it's bringing to users is a lot of, a lot of functions. And those functions are, are split, I would say, in four categories. You've got SQL, okay? So that's your data engineer kind of dreamland where you can, you can use uh, all the SQL statement you like. You've got graph, so you can have graph, graph-oriented databases, and you can have machine learning through the MLlib, which is including, it's already including some of the basic stuff like uh, linear regression, log- logarithmic uh-huh. regressions, and, 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 and all these tools. And it includes some of, some of neural networks algorithm as well. But it's, the great thing about it is that it easily opens to more okay so so see it as uh-huh. as this interface to a world to a larger world so for example i was playing the other day with xgb boost and and i i'm not a data scientist and so but i managed to compile it and add it to spark pretty easily and all the tools i was familiar with all the APIs I was familiar mm-hmm. with, I could just leverage them like right out of the box. Okay, so so basically, I was the only thing I had to learn was the intricacies of this specific model processor that I was trying. So that's where Spark is great. Okay, you you learn one API, which is a data frame API, uh-huh. and so it, it changed a little bit from right now. Spark is version three, and in the very early version of Spark, people were talking about RDD. Uh, the resilient distributed data sets, which still exist, but the data frame is now the new API that is highly efficient for dealing with that. A bit like the Python uh, uh-huh. data frame API. And that, once you've learned that, you get accustomed and then you just plug in what whatever you want underneath. Okay, so so it's great for data engineering. Okay, so I like to call myself a little bit of a data engineer, more, more than a data scientist, definitely more than a data scientist. And so ingesting this data, cleaning the data, eventually pushing the data out to external systems, that spark is great. And at some point, when you've got data of quality you like, well, then plug in your data scientist at this point. Okay, so it's easy also to distribute the job so you don't have to ask uh-huh. a data scientist to do data engineering right. and vice versa. 
Gotcha. So what do these APIs look like? And what languages can you write them in? So Spark is written in Scala. Uh-huh. And that's and, cool. I've always wanted to learn Scala. Well, that's actually that's actually something I would not recommend. <laughs> I, no, it I'm, just looks like an interesting language to me. That's all. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying, you know, you can have this intellectual curiosity, which which is great. But the thing is, and that's also where you can continue the analogy with with the operating system part is when you develop an application and operating system, okay, you can use many languages. Uh-huh. And and Spark is in the same way. So it was written in Scala, but it doesn't mean that it's because it was written in Scala that you need to learn Scala to use it. Okay. You can rely on you can use Java, you can use Python, you can use R. So you've got these four languages okay. which you which you can leverage. And uh, Microsoft is is actually also working on if I'm not mistaken, a .NET interface with F Sharp. It's really... Okay. So there are some approachable languages yeah. that you can hit this with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Python's definitely in, you know, in the data science yeah. world, yeah. Python is the most popular and they fully support Python 3. Python 2 is out of the door anyway. They kicked it out finally. So it's all good. And most, if not all data scientists I, I know are using what they call PySpark, which is uh-huh. Python for Spark. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So so you get Python in there. What kinds of things are you going to do from there? I mean, you know, how much programming are you? Let me back up. So so let's say that I have a big pile of data, right? I have I've gathered a whole bunch of information about, you know, something that I'm interested in managing the data around. Mm-hmm. So I've got all this data sitting there and I need it cleaned up, right? How, how do I go about actually putting that together with Spark, right? Am I writing programs and loading them into Spark? Or am I just pushing it at Spark and giving it some cursory, hey, run this algorithm that you already know? Or how does that work? Well, yeah, it, it's a bit like that, okay? So so Spark is ingesting the data. It's not like it's not going to do some kind of data federation, okay? So it's not like, hey, I've got this data in an Oracle database and I've got this data in a CSV file and it's going to stay there. Spark is actually uh-huh. going to physically move the data in, in in its core and which relies on memory, okay? Spark is heavy in memory and every okay. and smart and utilizing, utilizing the memory. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that when you compare it to Hadoop, some people try to compare uh, Spark to Hadoop. Hadoop is very disk intensive. Uh, Spark is very memory intensive. Okay, so let's say you've got these data; they're coming from different sources. You know that when you want to start finding inter- interesting stuff in your data, it's not just one data source. It could be right. one data source, but it's usually when you try to join them all. Okay, yes. and and Spark doesn't care at all whether you're going to have. Uh, data that is coming from CSV files, JSON, Parquet, or APIs. or relational database. It's not that great for APIs, but the thing is, you can extend your data sources. Okay, so uh-huh. let's say you want to use, you want to call specific systems, like I don't know, like let's say Google Analytics, and you just want to to make single calls with it, and then you can use you can use APIs in in this situation. Okay. okay, but you've got to write the interface, or you've got to find someone that wrote the interface for you. But it's really anything JDBC, anything anything files or custom things. There's there's all these ways of bringing the data in the in this part. That's in ingestion part okay so and 
if I plug it for for the book, this is this is so important that I've covered four chapters out of the uh, seventeen we have in the book just on ingestion. Okay, so so it's not that it's difficult; is that it's there's a lot of ways to do it, and and it it mainly depends on on every data source you have. So right. So then you've got the data in Spark, and then you can do your transformation. You can start doing your transformations using the Data Frame API or uh-huh. SQL. Okay, but basically SQL is mapped to the data frame API. And then you are you just natively start your transformation. And the way Spark does it is really smart. As you do your transformation, Spark does nothing. Okay. So you uh-huh. just wait on I like the analogy of teens. Okay. We've got my wife and I, we've got a few teens here. We've um, got a couple here too. <laughs> okay. And, and, and so you know they are. You, you ask them something and it doesn't happen. You ask them something again and again and again and it doesn't happen. At, and at some point, you start raising your voice or threatening a little bit. And then magically things happen. So Spark is a bit like this teenager, okay? You can ask him, hey, modify <laughs> this phone. You know my with... kids. Wow. <laughs> so you, 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 start, you, you start asking Spark, hey, hey modify this data yeah whatever just just ask again and you keep asking and at some point you run an action and that's uh-huh. when the, the team is waking up I say oh okay and it looks at all the actions you've been doing because it put that in a DAG in a directed acyclic graph okay and it looks at this which is kind of a data recipe data transformation recipe and it looks at the, the various different steps and say okay I can optimize this thing and I do it for you. I lose the optimization for you. And the optimization is done via an optimizer, and which is called Catalyst in the context of Spark. And uh-huh. it optimizes the work and it creates a different tasks that are going to be spread on the different nodes of your of your cluster. So this is this is a completely transparent operation for you. And it's it's really super efficient, okay? Because they don't do the data one step at a step as you do it but they like you would do in a sql state in, in a sql database okay you know in a traditional relational database you ask for something to, to be done then it does it and if you don't like it or if there was a potential optimization well too bad for you okay so mm-hmm. so spark is really clever in, in that way yep awesome hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So then it kind of sounds like Spark manages its own storage. Correct. Right. So as as you ingest all this data in, it stores it however it stores it. And then when you need the data or the result or whatever you're looking for out of it, you just query it, right? So it's it's not storing the data in the sense that it's a database, okay? Right, um, right. So I would say that the data is kind of transient in your data processing approach, okay? Okay. So you ingest all the data, you clean it up, and then right. at, at some point, you also decide to um, eventually apply some machine learning so to do some advanced transformation on uh-huh. the data, and then you, you decide to export it to somewhere, okay? Okay, um, that's what okay. I was wondering. Yeah, so your data can be, you can export it to, let's say, Tableau, or you can export it to another an, a Parquet file, and, and then this Parquet file is used somewhere, or you can, 
that's how you could use it, okay? Right. Over the time, there's two major companies behind Spark. Well, more, but originally there were two major companies behind Spark. One was Databricks, where uh-huh. with the founders of Sparkware, and another company was IBM, kind of a little right. startup from the north. In yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so, but it's interesting because it's not a well known fact. Okay. They're kind of, it's, it's ridiculous. They're a bit of, they're a bit shy about that. But anyway, so they, they contribute as well. And they, for example, the, Catalyst in in Spark version two, the optimizer the optimizer comes from from IBM Labs. Okay, so so huh. there's this brilliant community of engineers that built this, and they so they created this mechanism for you know this flow of data. And when I mean flow, it it also applies to streaming. Right. So you can have streaming in Spark or you can have batch processing. Okay. So so mm-hmm. both are, are going there. And it doesn't compete. That's one of the beauty of the thing. We're thinking about oh streaming is it competing with Kafka or something? It doesn't compete with Kafka. Kafka can feed Spark, okay. Uh, so as uh, Pulsar and and the data that is being brought out of the of Spark can also be pushed out via the same means. So oh, it's nice. really rich, as you know, it's kind of this in place system that you can use for your data transformation in your in your data pipeline. So yeah, that's awesome. So I'm a little curious as we kind of get into this. I mean, I'm I love stories, right? I love I love hearing. Okay, you know, we we had this problem and we solved it this way. Or you know, there's this really interesting group that did this really interesting thing with it. Can you give us some examples of people using Spark or maybe where you've used it in your work? Yeah, so, uh, so to solve so, some problems. So I'm a. Um... I'm an enterprise architect for also a small company called uh, Advanced Auto Parts, and we uh, we sell auto parts. And um, our data science team is using Spark to do all this sales prediction, to do this uh, procurement prediction. So, so there's a lot of operations we do with, with Spark. Uh-huh. Okay, so we get from this data from our sales data, from our historical sales data. That's that's a combination. That's a great team we have, which is a team which is comprised of data engineers and uh, data scientists, and they work, you know, in a current single group, where they take the data from our data lake and and apply all this very scientific methods to to extract insights and then they, uh-huh. the insights are redispatched to through through the company so that's that's one way we use spark and we use uh, we have a, quite a few clusters that are that are being used for, for that part okay so and that's a very traditional way of using spark other things that that, that I've touched was a very interesting use usage we, we had in, in one of my previous lives was to aggregate data from, we, we had a SQL server, a, a mega size SQL server that we could not really touch anymore because it was so big and uh, and it would be too expensive in licenses to multiply, et cetera. So, right. and we wanted to start doing some analytics on that. And there were two problems. The thing is, the schema was has evolved over time, okay, and, and this, mm-hmm. that's that's a problem with relational database. And you were right. kind of sticking to the to the to the original schema, and we and we need to get the data from the SQL Server, clean it. Well, not really clean it, more like rearrange it in a certain way, and then store it somewhere, and then give the 
users the ability to also query the data, okay? So mm -hmm. what we did is we used Spark to get the data from the SQL server, like a very simple right. ingestion, not a lot of data sources, just a very a one data source, this SQL server. Uh, we put this data in Elasticsearch, and, and we, we created this, uh, almost this canonical models where we, we reformatted the data in, in some way, but that's the only transformation we did. And then we developed another interface, which was also Spark-based, where data scientists, data engineers, and even application developers could query the data, not directly through, SQL, through Elasticsearch, but via a dedicated interface that was being run on, on Spark. So you had your reference trusted data in Elasticsearch, uh -huh. but as you were going to consume it, Spark would create snapshots of this data in different environments based on what you needed and the format you needed. So creating, and this snapshot would, you could call the data mart as well, okay? So, so data scientists, they, they want the data in a specific way. They just, hey, I want these data sets in this way, under this shape, with this in, in a column, in a columnar way. Okay, no problem. Okay, and and yep. our and, and our service would just go that transform the data through Spark and make it available. So that that's the kind of thing you can do. Another interesting project. It was kind of a fun project. It's not in production, but it was about gathering data from multiple source, mm -hmm. creating using NLU and specifically NLG, yeah, uh, natural language generation. Oh, uh, right, right, right. From the data we gathered and through the distributed processing, we would ask each node to publish the result of the data. So it means that, oh, we've got this ginormous data set. Let's start looking at every item we want to generate something from, and we create this content and, and broadcast it via um, uh, via via the Spark workers, um, uh -huh. and that that would scale like crazy as well. Okay, so so you can you know you're creating these atomic operations on your data, which are being done by the worker, and then you can do whatever you want. So yep, very cool. There's a lot of use cases and, uh -huh. and, and a lot of things that you can do with Spark. And I kind of like the idea that it's kind of when you learn the API or, or with SQL, it's becoming a bit the lingua franca that, that can be used between the data engineers and the data scientists. Yep. Nice. So what, what's coming next for Spark? So Spark is, is in its version three since, since June, roughly. And that's when we published a book. And what I think they've they've reached a maturity level. Spark is ten years old, so uh -huh. it's it's not like it's this startup project that, that came out six months ago. Okay, so it's pretty mature now, and you can see that the, the release cycle is is still good, but it's not like it's you know it's not as dynamic as I think as it used to be. So it's it's really a, a very mature product. But what the community is working around is more and more. Is more and more developing the ecosystem around it. And one one of the very exciting products that Databricks is actually is is pushing is a database called Delta Lake. And Delta sits very close to to Spark. Okay, one of the issue 
of getting data in and out from Spark is you've got to transfer it. Okay, there's no magic. Okay, so so the thing is, if it sits in your Oracle database, you've got to initiate your JDBC connection, blah blah blah. Right. Get the data, bring it back. Okay. So there's network latencies, there's access, there's writes, there's all these things. When you have a database which is, sits very close to the current to the core of Spark, like what the goal of Delta Lake, it, you can you can dump it there. Okay, and and you can start to have transactions there as well and you can create your reference your your you can that's one way to create your i was using my air quotes the, the data lake using delta lake okay and, uh -huh. and and i think that's a a very interesting concept what what databrick is trying to push is a concept of what they call the lake house which is a, a hybrid between the data warehouse and the data lake, okay? So you could say that the data warehouse is probably a little bit too structured and you need months and months of preparation between you, before you, you see any results, like a bit of a waterfall approach. When you look at the data lake, it's a bit of too easy and people just dump things like in a data swamp, okay? And and starts to rot after some time. The lake house, <laughs> the lake house is trying to, to fit in this middle ground. Uh -huh. And I think that's where Spark is, not Spark, itself but spark as part of this ecosystem is going so it's a very interesting it's a very interesting venue very cool. yeah and it's more i would say it's more towards data engineering than data science but uh -huh. but it's bringing the tools and and this the environment that the data scientists need okay so so i think that's really great one of the tools that they also added to to this ecosystem and i'm spacing out the name now is is some kind of a report slash BI tool for business users. Okay, so uh, so simplifying some operations, so you don't need uh, you want this report, so you don't need to leverage a 150k mm -hmm. data scientist to do this. Right. So that's that's also an approach that they're taking. And so widening the the outcome, I would say, of of Spark. Very so cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a very cool domain. And you think that, oh, you could imagine that, hey, everything has been done in this domain, but no, really not. So, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Other, um, other, other avenues, if, if you, it's also like, you know, we're building clusters. So that's kind of almost a uh -huh. system, system engineers. So a lot of people were, were building Spark clusters using, if you go to the cloud, like Amazon, you, you would use EC2 instances and you would have big instances and, and you create your cloud, your cluster in the cloud. But uh -huh. as much as it would scale, you would rely on other provisioning, on auto deprovisioning for from Amazon. And that might not be the, the right way you want to do it or not as flexible as you want. So one big thing that is also going more and more mature was introduced in Spark 2. Two or three, it's the support for Kubernetes, and it's uh -huh. now really getting more and more mature. That means that if you want to think scalability, you can use Spark very easily on, on either Kubernetes or OpenShift. And I think this is this is a very interesting trend as well. Not really for the data scientists, except that they don't have to provision super big clusters. They can you know provision normal size Kubernetes-based clusters, and they don't have to worry too much about getting their finger slapped because they use $50,000 in a week huh. of clusters. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I, I love the way that some of these things just kind of come together and yeah, solve problems. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think this is this is part of this growing ecosystem around, and that's why you know going back to the beginning, it's an operating system, okay, on top of yep. everything. Very cool. Well, if you want to just kind of give us the five minute pitch for your book. Okay, I can I can do that. I try to stick under the, the five minutes. It's a big book. It's six hundred pages, uh-huh. and the first the, the only thing to remember is that, and I'm not putting. It's not me. I'm just quoting one of the reader. It's the best book on Spark, and why? It, and it's actually backed up by figures. If you look to, if you go to Amazon uh, and you look for Spark book, it's the only one uh, with a four point eight or higher rating. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's four point eight on the US website, and I don't know. Maybe I paid some French people, but on the Amazon French website, it's four point nine, and it's not even translated in French. So for French people to rate an English book that high, I don't know. They were probably high. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but anyway, no. The thing is, a lot of the a lot of the books, uh, and I've got a, a lot of respect for a lot of the writers that some of yeah I know some of them personally. The approach was a bit different. I'm an engineer. Well, even if I'm an architect now, but the thing is, I'm an engineer at art. Okay, so so I've been doing development. I had the, the problems of engineering, and that's the axis I took for writing the book. So if you're if you're a data scientist, you will learn a lot of things about data engineering. If and and you will learn a lot of things about 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 Spark, but it's not a book targeted purely for data scientists. And uh, for it's also data engineers are often, you know, the, the fact that that Spark was written in Scala was was a bit of a trouble for a lot of people. And because, okay, I want to use Spark, but do I have to learn Scala? Okay. And the thing is, if you if you say if you answer yes to this question, then it means you're you're raising the bar and you're uh, not helping people to that that wants to access this book or, or start uh-huh. reading this book okay so you're you're creating a, an artificial barrier to, to to spark and and that's also so i'm a as a data engineer i was more like a still more of a java person and uh-huh. not ashamed of it and, and, and so so i decided to write the all of the examples in in, in java which is still the most the po- most popular language when you come to developing applications at, at an enterprise level. But we also have all the examples in Python, okay? So, and uh-huh. in Scala. So when you when you approach the book, you will be able to read it from the angle of whatever your favorite language is. Right. So we didn't do R, but but we've got yeah, Python, Scala, and Java. So that's that's also one of the approaches that it's not this. A lot of the books I found were uh, very Scala oriented, which is creating this barrier. And another thing is, you know, I mentioned quickly Hadoop before. A lot of people were seeing Spark as an evolution of Hadoop and assume that you knew Hadoop before you you start learning Spark. And right. that's that's also something I wanted to avoid that I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to say, hey, learn HGFS, Yarn, and all those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then come to Spark, okay? So that's what it assumes that you're a software engineer, okay? You know, Java or Python or eventually Scala, and you want to uh, you want to learn about big data and you know a little bit about data processing already. Right. Well, that's a book for you, okay? So so you don't yeah. have to, the barrier, it's, you don't have a PhD in machine learning to start reading the book. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot because, yeah, I'll admit, I mean, you know, I know some Java, but for the most part, 
you know, my experience has been with Ruby and JavaScript. And yeah, I pick books based on the languages that I know best. That right? makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, because because I want to learn whatever's in the book and I don't want to have to go learn the language in order to learn whatever's in the book. So yeah, I'll pick the JavaScript book because that's usually the most common language for, you know, that the people will use that I know. And then if I can't find it, then I'll go to the Java or the Python or something that that I, I feel comfortable approaching, even if I'm not an expert in it. And yeah. So yeah, I really like that approach. And finally, I also try to have, you know, it's a it's a spark in action okay it's a uh -huh. it's a manning in action book okay so so it's not about full of theories and boring stuff it's about you know getting to the core getting shit done yeah and, and oh yeah <laughs> yeah and the thing is if if i used you know this kind of you've got column column a column b column c and your values are one two three one two three four five six okay this is not teaching you anything this is yes and a lot of a lot of examples you find out there are, are you know th this kind of uh let's assume this perfect scenario and work with it well none of my examples are perfect scenarios they are real data sets uh, i had a lot of fun actually going on to open data websites and uh -huh. data data.gov when it was running well and all the you know on gathering all these complex real life data sets that you need to work on okay your life yep. is not about the perfect scenario so use your shitty data go figure it out okay and that's what the book is also using so i don't know i mean all of my data is abc123 and let me tell tell you how useful my algorithms are because of that yeah that makes sense <laughs> I, I love it all right well um you get the book on manning.com the way manning does it and you know, I'll just let people know if you want the ebook, you have to get it from Manning. If you want the print book, you can usually go find that on Amazon. And Manning gave me a coupon code. I think it's for 35% off. Let me just double check that. Uh, yeah, 35% off. It's all their stuff, not just this book. And that's Pod ML Adventure 20. And I'll put that in the show notes so you don't have to remember it because it's kind of long. But yeah, so if you're if you want to go pick up this book and maybe check out some of the other courses or some of the other authors that we've had on this show, that's yep. the way to go because you get 35% off. Manning is really great about that. You know, that's the fact you don't yeah. have to to buy. If you buy the, the print one, for some reason, I'm still attached to print. Maybe it's kind of a betrayer to my uh, age. Uh, no, I, I like it too. I mean, there's just something about holding the book. Yeah, yeah, and and especially when you've got this 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 thing. Hey, it cost me a fortune to send to my parents back in France. Um, <laughs> it was probably even cheaper to buy it on Amazon in France. And but I, yes, I wanted a signed copy. There you go. But uh, hey, free Christmas gifts. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah. What one great thing about Manning is when you buy the print version, you get the PDF as well. Okay, so you go back and uh -huh. and uh, I'm saying that because there was a, a lot of illustration in the book. They are all in color, but the, but Manning is printing the paper and paper in black and white. So if you want if you want a nice color illustration, you need a PDF. So just yeah, plug for the PDF. Good deal. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. 
I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Um, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Now, on this show, we do picks. It's just stuff we like, that we've been enjoying, things like that. I'm trying to think exactly where I want to go with this. I did pick this on Adventures in DevOps earlier this week, but there's been a lot of unrest here in the U.S. I'm not sure if this is going out next week or next month. I think it's next month. So this may all be moot by then, but I doubt it. But the thing is, is that a lot of people are really angry. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. But what I am saying is, is that I've seen a lot of people that I know are good folks yell at other people that I also know are good folks because they don't agree on this stuff. And I really just want to call out, and we see this in the tech community too, by the way, about other stuff, right? And I just want to call out just basically, hey, look, you know, take a minute, see the humanity and the people that you don't agree with. Uh, talk to somebody who you don't agree with and try and understand where they're coming from. Not argue your point, not try and be right, just understand where they're coming from. And then just see where we end up. Because honestly, I just, I don't see a way that we come out of this without actually doing that. Uh, the other alternative is basically violence and I think we can avoid it. So anyway, I'm just going to call that out and uh, hopefully people can just take a step back, take a breath and then try and understand somebody that's not you. The other thing that I'm going to pick, and I think I might've picked this on a previous show, but I've re been really enjoying it. I'm going to pick two shows. They're both on Amazon Prime. Um, one of them is an older show. It was on Sci-Fi Channel, right? So they just picked up all the seasons on Amazon Prime. It's called Eureka. It is such a funny show. And uh, basically, it's this town where all these geniuses live and work on top secret projects for a company that caters to the government. In fact, the, the head of them actually report, reports to DOD, right? So it's a DOD division. But anyway, it's it's really funny. It's this sheriff, right, who's just an average Joe. And he's the one that solves all their problems because he just, he doesn't get so sucked into all the stupid details, you know, and the, the whiz-bang ways of solving things, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, he, he kind of deduces his way to the answer and then goes, oh, and then he gives them a common sense solution. So I, I really enjoy that show. And then the other one is The Expanse. And that's in season five. They're releasing one episode per week, which I just want to binge it. Amazon, binge. This is the key word, binge. Just give me all of them. Anyway, really enjoying that. Uh, the books are terrific. The TV show sticks fairly close to the books. They've deviated some, but for the most part, they've stuck pretty darn close to it. And so I really like enjoyed the books and I've really enjoyed the TV show. And funny enough, the discrepancies between the two haven't bothered me. Usually it does in movies and TV shows. This hasn't. So anyway, I'm going to pick that, The Expanse. And yeah, do you have some things you want to shout out about? I will completely second you and on your choices. I, Eureka, I found out about Eureka and 
it's amazing in simplicity i would say in some in some cases you know it's like a i love the, the role of the sheriff i don't remember i'm really bad at remembering actors names but i i, I completely agree with that and really i think yeah it's time to you know the, the trolling has to stop now. I moved. I moved to the U.S. Nobody forced me. I didn't have a gun on part of my head and say, "Oh, you've got to move to the U.S." I decided to move to the U.S. because of this American dream uh-huh. kind of way, uh, th- this different way of life, this tolerance for each other, and I think that we have been really bad lately at, at that thing, and we need to reintegrate that into our values. And my green card is coming to five years in february so i can apply for citizenship so, oh great yeah so i want to be part of of this in this reconciliation process we really need to do and i've got friends on both sides and let's let's be friends again <laughs> yeah i i have friends on both sides i'm pretty entrenched on one side i'll admit and the other thing is is that it's usually within tech i'm entrenched on the other side but I really want to understand where people are coming from. And I think I think there is a path forward to just discussing and understanding and, you know, at least having a shared vision for why this is a great country. So anyway. All right. Well, if people want to follow you on social media or stuff, where do they find you? Well, I'm on I'm on Twitter, of course. My account is still running. I uh, didn't put any controversies there. Um, at least sometimes a debate between Scala and Java, but but that's not offending more people's in that and it's not risking <laughs> anyone's life so it's it's still okay so it's, that's jg perrin and uh i'm on facebook but that's that's merely like a you know th- this place where it's it's to go to have fun and not be serious at all and that's also facebook slash facebook.com slash jg perrin and i'm on linkedin on linkedin if you want to contact with me on uh, to connect with me on LinkedIn, I welcome that. I, lo- I love that because it's 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 honestly more serious discussions usually. Mm-hmm. But I don't take anyone since since I've become an enterprise architect at, at Advanced Auto Parts. I, it's incredible the number of spam I got, I'm getting now. So just tell you you heard the podcast or you read the book or you're interested in the book or you like Spark or you know just don't try to sell me something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then we can and then we can we can connect and get richer together so i mean intellectually all right sounds good charles thank all right you very well much. thanks this has been awesome yeah all right well i'm yeah now i have another thing i want to go play with <laughs> <laughs> hey you you've got a friends of business now okay so just ask questions i'm happy to help you sounds good all right folks till next time max out bye-bye thank you Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.